Hi, I'm Laura. Here's what's going on this week in Haiti. We must trust the Lord. One of the first days that we went to a really poor area, the church had gone down with the wind, gone down with the earthquake, and they had nothing, but they wanted a building to worship God in, and that was like their foremost thought, their foremost um, thing that they wanted above anything else, even above the clothes and all that. And that just really touched me, how they have nothing, but they want to love God, and they want to worship Him above everything else. These are people with nothing. Very little running water, very little electricity, but they've got God. And it seems like they just open their hearts to God in every one of their services and it it's just comes out and you can see God coming and descending on the room. Small things can mean a lot to people and it doesn't have to cost a lot of money and it doesn't have to be a big grand gesture just saying hello, smiling, a small piece of candy, anything like that has just brought so much joy um, to people that have nothing and you just don't think it would be that big of a deal but it really is. We went to a church where the um, village was washed away and uh, there's a lot of people there with a lot of need and they kind of just swarm you. What they live on is like absolutely nothing to what they live in, you know, they live in tents. I expected to see the poverty that we have um, encountered here in Haiti, but I didn't expect to see the depth of the love some people have for God. You know, there's an old saying that goes, all it takes for evil to prevail is for one good man to do nothing. And being here this week and seeing how one man took that challenge and decided to do something different may not have fixed everything and may not be able to help everyone. But the fact is, is that I have found that if I go home and make one change that can better my surroundings, the people around me, the things that I do, that one thing could eventually mean so much more. I had the opportunity to uh, share Christ 
with a young boy and he accepted Christ. And I'll tell you, it's very impactful on me to spend time with him. I discovered the joy comes from within. Instead of our circumstances, I think in America we are just trying to find things to make us happy and make us feel good and make us comfortable. And it's really not about that. I've come to realize that good deeds are done for the glory of God, not for us. It's not all about me. The thing that's impacted me the most for this trip has just been seeing um, it all anew through the eyes of my daughter. It's been a real blessing. What's impacted me the most on this trip was the girls that I met here and they showed me what love is. The love that they show me and the love that they have for God is indescribable because of what they've been through. exciting to see those are the kids that we support as a church in our feeding center there in Haiti that you a lot of you give uh, every week every month to and uh, those were your shoe boxes that you gave out and that's a lot of fun so if you ever get a chance to go on one of our Haiti trips we're hoping to take a couple more next year maybe one in June and one in December again be sure and sign up for that because it is an awesome opportunity and thank you so much all of you that gave shoe boxes and give monthly uh, for that feeding center because you're definitely making a difference there in Haiti. Well, take out your Bibles this morning, your mobile devices, if that's where you use your Bible from, and turn to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. If you're using one of the Bibles you may have received when you came in at the door this morning, it's on page 391. As you're finding your way there this morning, we're going to finish up our Carol series. We did a special series for Christmas uh, called Carols. We're going to finish that up today. And as you're kind of finding your way there, I wanted to share a story that I heard this week. It's, it's a little bit of a sad story. It's um, about a man and his wife that uh, were from actually here in Denver, Colorado. And uh, they had been married about 41 years and they had raised a, a son and a daughter and they were grown and now they had families and kids of their own and they had moved away. And the daughter lives in Chicago and the son uh, lives in New York. And it was about a week before Christmas. And the father uh, sat down in his living room, and he took out his cell phone, and he called his son on the phone. And he said, son, he goes, uh, I got something to tell you that I think you need to know. And the son said, well, what is it, dad? And he said, well, after 41 years of marriage, your mom and I have decided we've had enough. We've, de we've decided to call it quits, and, uh, you know, we, we just, we just, you know, we've just kind of grown tired of each other. And the son's like, what? 
Are you kidding me? You can't do that. No, you don't. And he goes, yeah, I've already got the paperwork ready to sign and everything. And, and uh, the son says, don't do anything. I'm calling my sister. And so he calls his sister in, in Chicago and says, I just got off the phone with dad. And he says, mom and uh, him and him are going to call it quits after 41 years of marriage. I can't believe this. She said, you got to be kidding me. So she gets on the phone and calls dad. And she said, dad, is this a joke? Are you, are you, are you serious? Like, yeah, I'm serious. He said, after 41 years, I just think it's time to call it quits. And, you know, we're just kind of tired of each other. I got the papers here ready to sign. She says, you know, I just talked to brother. You don't do one thing. Don't sign anything. We're getting on a plane tomorrow and we're coming to Denver. He says, okay. And he hung up the phone. He walked into the kitchen where his wife was fixing lunch. And he said, I got some great news, honey. The kids are going to be with us for Christmas after all. And they're paying their own way. <laughs> some of you all are like, that's a good idea. Write that down. I like that. Well, as we uh, close out our carol series, we're looking at a very famous carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which is about God being with us. And I want you all to participate. Help me out this morning. I've got five services in the next two days to do, so I need your help. You guys are going to help me, right? Yeah. So I want you to say this with me. God is. God was. God will be with us. Let's say that again. God is. God was. And God will be with us. Today we're going to explore that truth from God's word, Emmanuel, that carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, what that means. Uh, this carol was written between the 8th and 12th century, a long time ago. It was written in Europe. It began as, as a chant, and then it began to be sung. And they used to have these poems, these chants called the O Antiphons, because all of the chants and all the poems would start with the first letter O. And, you know, we've studied O Holy Night, O Come All Ye Faithful, now O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And so it was once a chant, a poem, and then it became the song, the famous song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And this is born out of our text this morning in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, Matthew's account of the Christmas story, and we're going to pick it up in verse 18 here, and it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And, and, and this prophecy was 740 years old. The prophet Isaiah had prophesied that a, a virgin girl would give birth to the Son of God. And now it's coming true. I mean, that just blows my mind to think this was predicted 740 years before it happened. And it happened exactly the way God said it would happen. And the Lord through the prophet said this, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name, say it, church, Emmanuel, which is translated, what? God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And that's the focus of the word we're going to look at, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Our focus this morning is going to be on that word, that Hebrew word for Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God with us. Everybody say that, God with us with us. I mean, have you ever prayed something like that? God, would you 
you be, be with us in this situation. God, God with you, would you be with me during this time? How many of you guys have ever prayed something like that? You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you're going on a vacation. Maybe you're going to be leaving here you know, today. Maybe you're going to be traveling somewhere for Christmas. You're getting in the car with the kids, and you say, let's pray. God, be with us. Keep us safe as we travel. Help us not to kill the kids that are trying to kill each other in the back seat. God, be with us. You know, God, God be with us as we go to the shopping mall and we fight all the people in the traffic. God be, oh, in Jesus' name, give us a good parking spot. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name it and claim it right now. You know, may, maybe some of you ladies at one time you said, God be with me as I go on this first date with this guy. That he's not some psycho stalker, you know, some weirdo. You know, God be with me. God, some, a lot of students just finished finals. Uh, you know, high school students and college students, now they're back. You know, maybe you prayed, God, be with me as I take this test. And God's probably saying, I'll be with you, but you probably should have studied. We've all prayed that at times. God, be with me. God, be with us. And Matthew tells us here in this gospel, he tells us that Jesus, that, that baby, was not just any ordinary baby. That baby, Jesus, was God with us. That's God becoming flesh and being one of us born there in that manger, in that, in that cave. I mean, if this were a movie and we were reading the gospel, you know, uh, of Matthew to a movie, there would be like this big crescendo when Matthew said, his name is Emmanuel, God with us. Dun, da, da, dun, da, da, da. I mean, that, that was like huge earth-shattering news that God has now decided to come down to this earth and be with us. I want you to understand that all throughout the Old Testament, that was so hard for people to understand and imagine. Because the Bible tells us that we have a, a God who is holy and he's perfect. And, and we, can't, we can't even begin to look upon him. And we know that in the Bible that there was a time when Moses in the Old Testament wanted to see God face to face. And, and God's like, you, nobody can see me face to face. You can't see me. You know, it would just blow you away. And so he kind of stuck him in the cleft of a rock and he just sort of whizzed by. And that's, that's the closest Moses could see of God. Uh, we know that in the temple where God's spirit dwelt in the Holy of Holies, only one person could go into that place in the presence of God. And they could only do it once a year, the high priest. And they were so worried about the high priest. This is true. They would tie a rope to their legs as they would go into, into one leg. Because if they died in the presence of this incredible God, they would then pull him out with the rope. Because they were like, I'm not going in there. And now all of a sudden, God is with us. This, this God that, who once seemed kind of unapproachable and nobody could look upon and nobody could see, now he's here. I mean, what was it that ca caused the shepherds to come in from the field to go to the manger that night? What was it that caused the wise men to follow a star and travel all those many miles to come to the house when Jesus was, you know, probably about two years old? It was the fact that God had decided to be with us. You know what that tells us is we have a God who is relational. He's a personal God who wants a personal relationship with all of us. He's not just some distant, uninvolved God that watches over us but we can never interact with. He's a God that wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to be with us. What did John say in John chapter 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 14 says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt and lived among us. And we know who that word was and is. It's Jesus. It's that baby in the manger, God with us. And that's the best news that I could tell you this Christmas, is that God is with us. 
He wants to be with us. He wants to have a personal, daily, intimate relationship with us. But a lot of people struggle to believe that. They, they hear it and they believe what it says, but they, they have a hard time really understanding and grasping that because you hear people say, well, I don't see God. I, I don't feel him. I don't get the tingly winglies about God all the time. I'm not, I'm not always sure that he's with me. What does that, that mean? You know, I, I've said throughout this series this December that Christmas, it's, it's like a big magnifier, isn't it? It makes good things even better, but it makes difficult, painful things more difficult, doesn't it? If you would agree, say yes. Christmas is like, the, the Christmas season is like the great magnifier. You know, for some people, this Christmas is going to be difficult. You know, maybe there's going to be an empty chair at the table. Maybe, maybe it's going to be difficult this Christmas because of a death. Maybe it's going to be difficult because of a divorce. Maybe it's going to be difficult because of distance. Somebody you're not able to be with, you wish you could be with. Maybe there's some kind of relational tension going on in your life, or your finances are struggling, your health, and, and you may want to ask the question, where is God? I don't see him. I don't feel him. I sure could use him right now, but, but where is he? Maybe you've done something in this last year or recently that you're, quite honestly, ashamed of. And you'd say, why would God want to be with me when I've done this or I've done that? It's hard to believe, isn't it? God with us. And here's my goal. Before we close this service this morning, my goal is that you would believe with all of your heart and you would embrace this truth and it will be practical in your life that God is, God was, and God will be with you because he is Emmanuel, God with us. We're going to look at three simple truths this morning. You have them in your notes. I hope you'll take notes this morning. Three practical truths about the name Emmanuel, God with us, and how practical this is to us today. Number one, God is with you. Emmanuel means not just God is with us, but God is with you. Everybody say that. God is with you. You know, this truth began when the angel came to Mary to tell her she was going to have the Christ child. And we put, we're going to put it on the screen. In Luke chapter 1, it says this. In Luke 1, 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, Mary. Watch this. Highly favored one, because the Lord is, say it, church, with you. Mary, the best news I can tell you right now is the Lord is with you. Now Mary needed to hear that because the angel was going to tell her all the things that were going to happen to her and, and it was going to be a difficult task to have, you know, the Christ child and to be a virgin and try to explain that to people and them not understand and to, you know, to Joseph who she was engaged to and at that time it was like you were already married and to find out she was pregnant and it was going to be very difficult. It was going to be a struggle. All the things that this teenage girl Mary was going to face, she needed to hear those words. Mary, I got some good news. God is with you. He's going to be with you. And for those who may be struggling at this Christmas time, for whatever reason, I want you to understand that truth that the angels shared with Mary is just as true for you today. Amen? God is with you. I love this verse. I quote it a lot, especially when I'm, I'm trying to minister to people who are struggling and in need. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Paul said it this way. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all... What's the next word, church? 
comfort. Aren't you thankful that we have a God of all comfort? Not just some comfort. Not just a little comfort. He's the God of all comfort. When you're struggling, when you're going through difficulties, and you're wondering where God is, he's screaming out, listen, I am the God that is with you. I am the God of all comfort. That word comfort comes from the Greek word parakaletos, and it means this, to come alongside. I love that picture. We have a God who wants to comfort us and come alongside of us and like put his arm around us and encourage us when we're going through struggles and difficulties. Knowing God is with you makes all the difference in the world, church. Knowing that God is with me. God is with you. It changes everything when you really believe that. You know, this reminds me of a story <laughs> when um, Caleb and Caitlin were about to have their second and fourth birthday. C Caitlin was turning two, and Caleb was turning four years old. And, uh, you know, back then, their, their birthdays are only uh, one week apart. Back then, we could have their birthday parties together. We could only do that so long. Now they're teenagers. They have to have their own deal, and that's cool. But, uh, you know, we were going to have a party for them. And so what do all great parents do for their kids? That is definitely a huge sacrifice and gift. They take them to Yucky Cheese. I mean, Chucky Cheese. Sorry. Chucky Cheese. You know that famous... A pizza restaurant where you pay like $50 for a pizza and then you got to buy like $100 worth of tokens so they can play games and they can win like a million tickets and then you cash those in for a 50 cent prize. <laughs> yes, that's the Chuck E. Cheese that I'm talking about. And so we decided to have their party at Chuck E. Cheese for their birthday. Uh, Caitlin was going to be two and uh, she loved Chucky. There's the picture of her with her mom. Look, look at that beautiful mom there right there. She hasn't changed a bit, has she? 20, I was almost, what was it, 15 years ago. And so Caitlin liked Chucky. She wanted to see Chucky, wanted to hug Chucky. Now Caleb's four. And I got permission to tell this story, by the way. And uh, he's like, he's looking at Chucky and, he, and we're like, hey, it's Chucky Cheese, that's why we're here. You know, it's like going to Disneyland, you got to see Mickey. And we're like, it's Chucky. And he's like backing up, you know, he's doing this thing. And I'm like, oh, you got to go see Chucky. And he's like. I don't like that guy. <laughs> I don't like Chucky. And, and I'm like, no, it's okay, Hale, it's Chuck E. Cheese. Go see. He's like, no, no, no. And he wouldn't go see Chuck E. Cheese. So, and, you know, they had that stage, you know, where the, all the, they play the instruments the animals do, and we wanted to put them on the stage. And so finally I said to Caleb, I said, Caleb, listen, I'll be with you. I'm going to go with you. I'll, I'll stand right there. Okay, okay. And so I went with him. And once Dad was with him and he knew that, everything was cool. Everything is okay. You know, that's an incredible spiritual truth for us. When you understand that the all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful God of this universe is with you, doesn't that change everything, church? Say yes. When he is with us. When we feel alone, to know that he is with you as a companion and friend. When, when, when you're sick, to know that the God of this universe is with you to help Bring healing and encouragement and strength. When you are lost, when you feel like you've lost your way, he's with you to be your guide. When you're hurt, he's with you to bring hope. When you're weak, he's with you to help you be strong. When you're going through a trial, he's with you to comfort you and be your comforter to come alongside you. When you're struggling with sin, he's with you as a savior to forgive you of your sin. Aren't you thankful, church, this morning that God is with you? That God is with us? You know, we are all still mourning the news that took place a week ago. 
in Newtown, Connecticut, at Sandy Hook Elementary School. It's hard for that to not still be on our hearts and minds, and it should be, and praying for those families during that tragedy. And there's so many unanswered questions and questions that probably will never be answered. But if there's one thing that I would say to those families in that community with absolute assurance and truth, here's what we do know. I would say this, God is with you. God is with you. He is there. And, you know, this was going around the internet, and I came across it again last night, and I'd, I'd like to just read it to you guys, because it's got a beautiful truth that somebody put to this poem, and it says this, "'Twas eleven days before Christmas, around 938, when twenty beautiful children stormed through heaven's gate." Their smiles were contagious. Their laughter filled the air. They could hardly believe all the beauty they saw there. They were filled with such joy they didn't know what to say. They remembered nothing of what happened earlier that day. Where are we? asked a little girl as quiet as a mouse. This is heaven, declared a small boy. We're spending Christmas at God's house. When what to their wondering eyes did appear but Jesus their Savior, the children gathered near. He looked at them and smiled, and they smiled just the same. Then he opened his arms, and he called them each by name. And in that moment was joy that only heaven can bring. Those children all flew into the arms of their king. And as they lingered in the warmth of his embrace, one small girl turned and looked at Jesus' face. And as if he could read all the questions she had, he gently whispered to her, I'll take care of your mom and dad. Then he looked down on earth, the world far below. He saw all the hurt, the sorrow, and woe. Then he closed his eyes and he outstretched his hand. Let my power and presence re-enter this land. May this country be delivered from the hands of fools. I'm taking back my nation. I'm taking back my schools. And then he and the children stood up with a sound. Come now, my children. Let me show you around. Excitement filled the space. Some skipped, some ran all displaying enthusiasm that only a small child can. And I heard him proclaim as he walked out of sight, in the midst of such darkness, I am still the light. That's incredible. That is incredible. And you know what that poem reminds us? It reminds us he's Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is God with you. And not only is he God with you, but he's God that was with you. You have number one, he is God with you. And number two, God was with you. God is with you. And number two, God was with you. You see, sometimes in our life, it's easier to see God in the rearview mirror than it is in the moment. It's, it's easier to see God's presence in the past than in the present. And we need to look back and we need, we need to remember that truth that God was with me. It reminds me of the story in the Old Testament of a man named Joseph. If you, if you just read that story and you don't read the end of the story, you might look at it and go, where was God with Joseph? I mean, Joseph was this, this innocent young boy. 
you know, and his dad really loved him, and he gave him this coat, and, you know, his brothers got jealous of him, and they didn't like that, you know, it seemed like dad was showing favoritism, and so they came up with this plan, we're going we're gonna to get rid of him, we're jealous of him, we're going to kill him, and, and then one brother's like, no, let's not kill him, why don't we just throw him in a pit, let's beat him up real good, and sell him into slavery, and another one's like, oh, that's a good idea, let's do that, you know, that's maybe a little bit better, and so they, they beat him, they throw him in a pit, he gets sold into slavery, and then he's falsely accused by, you know, his master, he gets thrown into prison. I mean, you look at his life at this point and you go, where was God? Where was God in all of that? Well, I'll tell you where God was. The Bible tells us in Genesis 39, 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. Don't you love that? The Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. God was with Joseph working behind the scenes, taking him from a pit to a palace. He became second in charge to Pharaoh, and he had saved an entire nation. And, and, and at one point of his life, you would look and go, where was God? But you hear the end of the story, and you find out that God was with Joseph all along. And if Joseph could give his testimony this morning to our church, you know what he would say? God was with me every step of the way and everything I went through. And sometimes we need to remember all the times in our life when God was with us, he is with us and he was with us. And I can think back to many times in, in my life and the lives of others where God was with us. You know, I, I think back when Shelly and I first got married. And, you know, we were first in ministry and I was a student director. And we were making $12,000, not a month, not every six months, a year. That was my salary. So, Jared, you're doing really good. I just want to throw that out there. $12,000 a year, 1000 bucks a month. And I mean, on paper, our budget did not make sense whatsoever. And the first thing at the top of our budget was tithing. It always has been. It always will be. We tithed. We gave to God. And we always gave to missions over and above that. You know, for most of our marriage, we've given 15, 20% of our income back to the Lord. And we did that. And we stayed faithful. And we had no idea. But God was with us. And every month, we would scratch our head and go, how did we make it? How did we pay our bills? We don't know. But God was with us. God was with us when our first uh, child was born. Caleb was born. And the, he was a day old, and the pediatrician came in and checked him out, and uh, the pediatrician said, well, I, I kind of have some discouraging news. Uh, he has a heart murmur. He has three, they did an echocardiogram, he had three holes in his heart when he was born. And they said, if those don't close on their own, we're going to have to do open heart surgery. I mean, how'd you like to be a brand new parent, your child's a day old, and you find out they have three holes in their heart. But you know what? God was with us. God was with him. He, the, he totally healed him. Many people were praying for him. He never had surgery, medicine, nothing. And today, now he's an athlete who's being recruited by colleges to play baseball because God was with us. Caitlin, our daughter... She, God just laid on her heart recently, I want to go on my first mission trip to Haiti. You saw her there in the video. And we said, well, you know what? You need to raise the money. Well, how am I going to do that? We said, well, you know, you need to pray and ask the Lord and, and, and ask people. And, and you know what? In about five days' time, she raised a th over $1,000 to pay for a trip because God was with her. Our marriage, we get to celebrate uh, 20 years of marriage uh, next week, the day after Christmas. We'll be married on the 26th, 20 years. And God has been with Shelly to put up with me for 20 years of marriage. And that, she deserves a hand for that. You know, we tell people sometimes, hey, how long have you been married? 20 years. Oh, 20 years. You know, and, and it surprises some people. You know, it can't happen without God being with us and being a part of it. I've seen God be with our church 
over and over. I mean, all the times we, you know, we, when we first started seven years ago, you know, four or five people in our living room, a Bible study, and we outgrew that and needed a place to meet. And then they let us meet at the clubhouse, the apartment complex, for free because we were a church. And then we outgrew that, and they let us meet at the rec center where they had told us no like four times. And then God was with us, and they told us yes. And God was with us when we had the opportunity to move in into here. It'll be uh, five years this January that we've been meeting here at Prairie View High School. Our name was put in a hat with five other churches, and God was with us, and we were chosen. And what a blessing it's been. You know, and God was with all of us last week because... We weren't supposed to be here past Friday. We escaped the Mayan apocalypse. This was a forecast for Friday that one of the newscasts, but God was with us, and we're still here. You know, God has been with our church whenever we've needed full-time staff, and we have full-time, we have part-time, we have volunteers, but, you know, God was with us uh, three years ago when we needed an assistant pastor, and he brought Barry and Stacy, the Hughes family, to our church, and what an incredible blessing they've been. And God was with us a year ago when we needed a new worship director. And man, we hit the jackpot when he brought Gary and Jennifer Durbin to our church. And Gary is our worship director. And you know, just recently we needed a, a student director again. Yes, I, I know, again. But we feel like we got the one this time. The one we've been praying for and God was with us. You know, and I'm going to brag on Jared for just a moment. Because him and Vanessa are doing an incredible job with our students. Listen, if you have students, yeah, you could praise the Lord for that. It, listen, if you have students and, you, and you, they haven't been a part of our, our student ministry for a while, you've got to come out on Wednesday nights and check it out. They're doing incredible stuff. They have one of their largest attendances they've ever had uh, a few weeks ago. But here's what's the most awesome thing, and this is the truth. Jared and Vanessa have seen more teenagers come to Christ in the three months they've been here than we've seen in the last five years put together. They have teens accept Christ every single week. Because God is with us because God has been with us. You know, God was with us when he placed us in the school, and God was with us when last year a teenager that had just graduated from Prairie View High School, he'd only been a graduate for two weeks, died in a tragic car accident. And the, the family and the parents did not have a church home. And the principal of this school said, well, you know, we have a church that meets in our school. Would you like me to call them so they can be of service and minister to you? And they said, yes. And we had the privilege and opportunity to do that, that memorial service for that young man. And this place was packed and filled with students and, and teachers. And over 100 people came to Christ during that service because God was with us. And I've seen God be with many of you. I've, I've seen some of you go through a divorce, a spouse that's abandoned you, and God was with you and has gotten you through that and is getting you through that. I've seen some of you go through loss of a loved one or a friend. I've seen some of you struggle financially or to find a job, and we've watched and we've prayed, and we've seen how God is with you. We've seen how God has met some health needs in our church. You know, my father-in-law, uh, Dr. Randall, our care pastor, um, he uh, you know, went to the doctor and found out he needed open-heart surgery. I mean, it was just a miracle that that all came about. They said he was about one week away from a major, massive heart attack that would have probably taken his life. He went through that, sailed through it, because God was with us. You know, Bob Rogstad and Sandy, Bob had an aneurysm. They were able to get him to the hospital, and he's making a full recovery. You know, a lot of people don't make it through that because God was with them. And you know, this is so cool. I want to share one more with you. These are fun, aren't they? How, how we know God has been with us. There was a couple 
in our small group this last semester that we hosted in our home. And, of course, we take prayer requests. And this couple have been trying for five years to have a baby. And they had actually uh, tried some medical means and, you know, artificial means to medical to try. And they tried twice and no baby. And the, the doctors were starting to say, you know what, we just, we just don't think it's going to happen. You know, maybe you need to consider adoption or something, and, and we just don't think it's going to happen, and we just kept praying. And I told them, I said, you know what, maybe you should just stop trying the, the medical means, and let's just pray as a small group and see what God does. Maybe God wants to just do it that way so that it's all Him. And they sent our small group an email last week that she is pregnant. Isn't that awesome? Why? Because God is with us. God is with us. So moral of that story, if you want to have a baby, get in small group. Just a little plug there. You see, just like God was with Joseph, God is and God was with us. God is with you. Emmanuel, God is with you. God was with you. And number three, last, God will be with you. That's good news. You know, we're getting ready to close out 2012 and enter into 2013, a new year. And we don't know what 2013 holds. I mean, we all have high hopes and dreams that it's going to be better than maybe last year. And, and especially if we've had struggles, we don't know. But here's the good news. No matter what you and I or as a church we face in 2013, we know this truth. God will be with us. He will be with you. I love the encouragement Moses shared with Joshua. Moses wasn't able to take the children of Israel into the promised land. And so he passed the baton of leadership over to a man named Joshua. He was the one that would lead the nation of Israel finally into the promised land. But it wasn't going to be easy. I mean, they first had to get through Jericho, this walled city. They had to face enemies. There were enemies when they got there. There were lots of things and obstacles and difficulties and challenges that, that Moses knew Joshua was, was going to face. But here's the encouragement he gave him in Deuteronomy 21.6. Moses said this to Joshua. Be strong, Joshua, and of good courage. Do not fear or be afraid of them, for the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. What was he saying? He's going to be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Aren't you thankful for that truth this morning, church? That God is with us, God was with us, and whatever we face in the future, God will be with us, whatever the future holds. You know, if Mary could have looked in the future and seen all that was going to happen to her to bring the Christ child to this earth. If she should have, could have looked in the future and seen what was going to take place, I believe this is what she would have said. God will be with me when I conceive this child of the Holy Spirit, even though I'm a virgin, and I've got to explain that to my parents, and I've got to explain, explain that to my community, and I've got to explain that to Joseph, but he's going to be, uh, God's going to be with me because God's going to send an angel. He's going to go, I saw it in a dream. It's going to be okay. And she would say, God's going to be with me as I travel 100 miles on the back of a donkey, you know, nine months pregnant. God's going to be with me when we knock on many doors and there's no room in the inn and then there's no place to stay, but God's going to be with me because he's going to provide a place. He's going to provide a cave. He's going to provide a manger for me to place the baby in. God's going to be with me even though there's nobody else going to be there to help me but Joseph. God's going to be with us when that baby is born and we have to flee for our life to Egypt because there's an evil king that wants to kill us and our baby. God's going to be with us when our son at 12 years of age goes into the temple and he wanders off and we can't find him and we're worried and God was with us because he was talking to some people and he was answering questions. He was teaching them and God's going to be with us when we go to that wedding and he performs forms the 
first of many miracles and he turns the water into wine. And God is going to be with me when I watch my son arrested, falsely accused, put on trial, beaten, mocked, nailed to a cross, a spear put in his side. God's going to be with me when they place him in a borrowed tomb. God is going to be with me on that first night when I wait and I wonder. And God is going to be with me on the second night when I waited and wondered. And God is going to be with me on the third day when I go to the tomb and the stone is rolled away because he is risen, because he is not there, because he is Emmanuel, God with us. He will be with us. He was with us. He is God with us. No matter what we face, he will be with us. Embrace and hang on to that truth this Christmas and throughout all the year. I love the way Paul said it in Romans chapter 8, verse 35. And I want you to help me answer the question that Paul asked. Paul says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Or what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Him being with us. Shall trouble? Some of y'all not sure. <laughs> Come on now. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? No. Shall hardship? No. Shall persecution? No. Famine? No. Nakedness? No. What is nakedness doing in there? I'm just... I don't know why it's there, but if you're ever wondering in nakedness, he's with you. <laughs> Will he be with us? Will danger separate us from him? No. Or sword? No. no, 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 Paul says. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, Paul says, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither anything in the present, neither anything in the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything. You know what that word anything in the Greek, you know how that's translated? You know what it means? Anything, nor anything else. Well, what about this? No, Paul says not anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God will be with you. That's something to celebrate this Christmas. That nothing can separate you from God being with you. Not your doubts, not your fears, not your failures, not your insecurities, not your disappointments, not your sickness, because God is, God was, and God will be with you. In the last book of the Bible, Jesus said it this way in Revelation 1.8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Listen, church, it, it doesn't matter what we think or feel. It is settled. It is written. It is truth. Emmanuel, God is, God was, and God will be with you. The only question that needs to be answered this Christmas is this. Are you with God? Are you with God? Because he's with you. He wants to be with you. He invites you to be with him. He wants you to be with him. He calls you to be with him. He's a relational God. Emmanuel. God 
with us. Will you be with him this Christmas? Would you bow your heads with me?